0: Hello, Aggie fans, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Utah Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. This is Parker Ballantyne, and I really appreciate you tuning in. We are coming off a pretty significant weekend of football in the Mountain West and a uh, pretty tough loss for the Utah State Aggies uh, that we will talk about. Tough loss to in-state rival, out-of-conference, fortunately for us, rival, the BYU Cougars. As the Aggies fall by two scores, 34-20 to to, at the time, the 13th best team in the country, according to the AP poll. The Cougars moved up to 10 since then. Like I said, a two-score loss to a top-15 team in the country. Really not that bad. Um, It's been a couple days, so it's easier for me to say that. Really not that bad. There were a couple plays. We're going to talk about two plays in particular and some numbers that did not go our way, uh, kind of like Boise, uh, the Boise State game from the previous week. There are definitely a couple numbers that are really glaring and really, I think, held Utah State back from being even more competitive in an already competitive game or maybe even coming out on top against 13th ranked BYU which would have been one of the biggest wins in school history and certainly one of the bigger wins in recent history and the biggest win of the season barring some crazy events later um but unfortunately that that did not happen and we will talk about why let's do some stats first I want to go over some of the general stats and then we'll dive into some uh some plays that really uh really stood out to me there's two in particular that we'll, uh, we'll talk about. So first I just want to go over the team stats and I'll compare them side by side. Um, So BYU passing, they ran three quarterbacks, none of them being their uh, first string quarterback in Jaron Hall, uh, but they did run three quarterbacks and ran uh, and threw for 245 yards. Utah State put up 314 yards in the air. So for all the talk about our quarterbacks, just Still not clicking and not being able to move the ball. It's just not true. Um, I'm really, I'm really not thrilled about that take when I hear it from people because it's just not true. The quarterback system and the quarterback situation is just fine. Logan Bonner got the start. Andrew Peasley had a much smaller role by design, but Logan Bonner did get hurt and had to come out, bringing Peasley in to uh, to finish the game for him. Logan Bonner, it was a, uh, it was kind of a, a, a knee injury. It looked like a hyperextension. Um, it wasn't really a non-contact play, uh, but it, it wasn't like the injury wasn't from contact. He was kind of running, uh, got bumped. It was a clean play, uh, n- nothing dirty from from BYU on that play. You know, uh, you definitely want to to clarify on that. It was it was a clean play. Uh, Bonner just kind of running out of bounds, had his had his momentum going, got bumped on the throw, and kind of his uh, the top half of his body ended up going a little bit faster than the bottom half is what it looked like, and he kind of. Uh, went over his over his legs as he planted his foot and kind of you know just rocked that knee back it it looked it looked okay you know he came out immediately he was treated and you know but the you know all the, all the tests and things have come back clean uh, it wasn't one of those videos it was just gruesome to watch like you could definitely tell it was uh it was definitely to a point where it was painful for for logan bonner and definitely to that point where injuries can happen but hopefully he's okay he is one tough kid uh he's been playing through you know really being beat up for a majority of the season but uh did not look good for logan bonner but uh he should be you know by by all accounts and from from statements from coach anderson he should be okay uh, especially with uh, long rest coming up with uh, a bye week and then of course the extra day of rest that's built in with playing a game on friday so hopefully he can he can recover Um, That aside, we we did run two quarterbacks. Logan Bonner went for 21 for 41 with 276 yards. He did throw two interceptions, or excuse me, he threw two touchdowns and one interception. And Andrew Peasley was 5 of 7 in the air for 38 yards, did not throw a touchdown, and threw one interception. BYU's rushing, they went for 221 yards. Compared to Utah State's 31 31 yards on the ground for the Utah State Aggies. That's a number we're going to talk about a little bit later because that is a killer. Um, that is a huge problem for Utah State. I, I'm looking right here at 35 attempts and 31 total yards. So that's that's a problem. BYU fumbled the ball one time. Utah State fumbled the ball twice. And as we kind of talked about, um, when we talked about the passing stats, BYU had two interceptions and Utah State did not have any. So those are the team stats for Utah State and BYU compared side by side. Um, I want to draw attention uh, back up to the Utah State rushing and we need to talk about that. We knew going into this game that BYU's defensive line is just bigger and they're stronger and they're faster. There's a reason that they are one of the best teams in the country. There's a reason. There's a reason that they are five and zero. And a lot of it, as we're fond of saying here in Logan, it starts up front. It's the same down in Provo. It starts up front. If your line, if your defensive line and your offensive line are good, and if they're better than the line in front of them, and if they're bigger and stronger and faster than the line in front of them, you're gonna win a lot of games. And in my opinion, that's why, you know, that's a big part of why we've won three games and that's why they've won five. So yeah, their defensive line was a problem for the Utah State Aggies and it shows in the numbers um, pretty, pretty spectacularly. So let's go through all the rushing numbers and I think it'll paint a pretty clear picture of, of what was so difficult for Utah State. Um, Utah State just... The last two weeks, they played really, in my opinion, pretty good ball. Uh, not their best ball uh, by any means, uh, but they played their best two opponents and lost the game in two completely different ways. Last week, you remember the, the run game was pretty heavy against Boise State. That's really the only way we were able to move the ball and against BYU. It was the opposite. We weren't able to do so. And I think you can kind of see with our, even just the Utah State rushing leaders, Number one is A'Leon Noah, who is a, is a fine running back. That's that's not really an issue. Uh, you'd love to see Calvin Tyler Jr. up there. Calvin Tyler Jr. wasn't even in the top three rushers for Utah State. That, I think, is where the problem is. Uh, number two is Logan Bonner. That's a pretty big issue. You don't want your gunslinger to be moving the ball, especially when your gunslinger, you know, it's not Andrew Peasley. Andrew Peasley gets out there, and he's really good on his feet. Uh, Logan Bonner is primarily a throwing quarterback, so when he's your second leading rusher you do have a problem especially when he didn't even play the full game Uh, that means you probably have a problem with your other rushers that aren't able to get yards Uh, your number three rusher is john gentry he's usually right up there in the top three but usually not the number one Uh, so he's about where he would be so those are your top three noah bonner gentry uh, really just one in there that doesn't belong, Bonner, uh, should not be in the top three, and Calvin Tyler Jr. probably should be. Honestly, for Utah State to win football games, I think you need the the rushing order to basically go Calvin Tyler Jr., John Gentry, and then Noah, in that order. Um, but instead it goes Noah, Bonner, Gentry, which Noah and Gentry are just fine. You can't have Logan Bonner in your top three rushing yards unless he runs for... 100 yards on a on a QB sneak that goes terribly correctly for Utah State. Uh, you really you really shouldn't have Logan Bonner there. So Elion Noah gets six carries for 17 yards total. His longest run was 5 yards. Logan Bonner ran the ball eight times for a total of 13 yards and his longest was 10 yards. And this is actually another problem number in my opinion. That is the longest run By a Utah State Aggie. 10 yards by the quarterback. A non-rushing quarterback in Logan Bonner. That's a problem. And if you just compare our longest run to BYU's longest run. It's a 67-yarder by Tyler Algier. That's a play we're going to talk about in a minute. But you can't can't have your number one rush on the night be 10 yards by your quarterback. by By your pocket passer quarterback. That's an issue. Uh, John Gentry with six carries for a total of eight yards. His long was eight. Uh, by the way, none of these guys ran in a touchdown. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't get a rushing touchdown. Then Calvin Tyler Jr. coming in at the fourth uh, leading rusher with 12 carries. So a lot more, a lot more attempts. Uh, he ended up with three yards on the night, and his long was four. Um, so our our leading rusher on the year was held to a four-yard rush at the max. Um, that's that's obviously an issue. We ran Makacona and Peasley as well. Makacona for two. He ended up with negative five yards. As did Peasley on one. Thirty-five attempts for thirty-one yards. And the longest rush of the night was ten yards. Really, there's issues all up and down that uh, that bunch of numbers. The good thing, though, is we will not face another defensive line or another defense like the BYU Cougars for the rest of the regular season. The only way we're facing a defense like that, again, is if we play in a Mountain West Championship game, and even then that's a maybe. Maybe there's a defense that good on, on, you know, in the West Coast, uh, in the Western Division of this conference, or, or in a bowl game. A bowl game we could play, you know, pretty much anybody and that could be a, a scary matchup for Utah State and then we'll take a look at uh, let's take a look at receiving as well receiving is where we were able to move the ball really well and in large part as it always is was thanks to Devin Tompkins nine receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown uh, as long as Catch of the night was 32 yards. That's what you need, night in, night out, from DT. That's what we needed last week. And I think if we would have been able to get the ball to DT like this against Boise, that would have been a completely different game. Um, getting the ball to DT nine times is exactly what you need for this Utah State team to win games. Um, after DT was Brandon Bowling with four catches for 60 yards, uh, no touchdown, but a long, uh, a the long, longest reception for 25 yards. So a great night for Brandon Bowling as well. Derek Wright with five receptions and 52 yards. And Kyle Van Leeuwen with three receptions and 28 yards. Justin McGriff had two catches for 26 yards. One of them was a touchdown. And we did throw the ball to Calvin Tyler Jr. twice for 15 yards. And Elion Noah one time for eight yards. And looking through the team stats, there's not a whole lot else uh, to bring up. Oh, one, one note actually to bring up is one of our three fumbles was charged to um, Nick Haniger on one of the weirdest plays you'll ever see. Uh, My editor, Jacob Nielsen, on Twitter pointed out that it looked like a Madden glitch, and I couldn't have put it better myself. Basically, Baylor Romney just kind of ran backwards, threw the ball, like underhand, straight up in the air. It was the weirdest thing. Justin Rice and Nick Henniger both go up for the ball, which is now is still a live ball. Um, and at this point, we don't really know as fans if it was a forward pass or a fumble or what's going on. Nick Henniger gets it into his hands right as Justin Rice arrives and knocks the ball loose. You, you know, pushes, you know, the ball the ball goes flying and BYU ended up recovering their own fumble pass thing that, you know, BYU covered, but it was a, a huge loss. So one of our fumbles is is charged to Nick Henniger. So if you see that, no, it's not a mistake. It's just the weirdest play I've ever seen. And speaking of Justin Rice and the defense, honestly, the defense had, I think, a great night. One of the takes I've seen on Twitter is that the Utah State defense was bad or that they couldn't keep up with BYU. That... It could not be more false. The defense did everything they needed to do, minus one play that basically changed. You know, basically turned the game from a one-score game to a two-score game. But Utah State's defense was really, really good. BYU has a really good offense, and Utah State was able to to keep up. Uh, Hunter Reynolds led the night on total tackles with nine, uh, five of which were solo. One was a sack. Marcus Moore came in right behind. He had nine tackles as well, only three of which were solo, uh, two and a half for loss. Justin Rice then coming in with seven tackles, three solo, and a half of a tackle for loss. Um, Those three had an insanely good night. Some other names to keep an eye on. Byron Vons with five tackles, two solo, uh, one for loss. Uh, Shaq Bond. 5 tackles, 2 solo. Nick Henniger, 4 tackles, 2 solo. 1 sack, 2 uh, two tackles for loss. Cam Lampkin with 4 tackles, 2 solo. Um, and then AJ Vongpuchong, of course, with 4 tackles, 1 of them solo, 1.5 tackles for loss. Kevin Metzenheimer with 4 tackles, 1 solo, 2 tackles for loss. Patrick Joyner with 3 tackles. three, All 3 of them were solo. And he had a, a QB hurry as well. Um, so really a great performance by the defense i i just don't understand criticisms against the defense obviously they could have played better obviously there were there were explosive plays that they gave up that they should have stopped Um, of course they missed coverage at times they played one of the best teams we possibly could have they played the best team this is the best team on our schedule by far and they they played great i really don't understand the uh the take against the the defense. Honestly, the, the biggest negative takeaway I have from this game is really the same as last week. It was just a couple small execution things, you know, not being able to finish in the red zone, getting a field goal when you need a touchdown or getting a, a punt when you need a field goal, just things like that where you were slightly not quite where you needed to be, and that was the problem. In fact, they played well enough. To win out the rest of the schedule. Um, I had a conversation directly after the game. With a good friend of mine at at the game. And they were saying. Well we we really need to get this ship turned back around. That's two straight losses. We need to to play a lot better going forward. And I was like why? For what? For who? Who do we have on the schedule that we need to play better for? Obviously we don't want to get complacent. Um, Pat Riley, legendary NBA coach, once said that complacency is the last hurdle standing between any team and its potential greatness. Uh, something like that. A lot, you know, just, we, we can't get complacent, obviously, but, and and we and we need to improve. We need to iron out those mistakes. We need to improve on our strengths and accentuate those. But quite honestly, we've played good enough in the past two games to win the rest of the schedule, to win out. And if we do that, there's a really good chance that we are the Mountain West Mountain Division champions. Um, so yeah, we do need to play better. We need to improve every week. Uh, that's the same conversation every football team in the world has, but our schedule was really front heavy. We we really loaded up the front of the schedule with Washington State week one, Air Force week three, Boise State week four, and BYU week five. We're... I don't want to say we're done or that the you know that we're we're cruising or smooth sailing going forward, but the worst is behind us for sure. If we play as well as we have in those tough games, if we play the way we did week one, week three, week four, week five, or even week two against North Dakota, we don't lose another game. And we end the season ten and two, bull eligible, probably playing in a Mountain West Championship game when we were projected to win three games. So yeah, we need to improve. But this team is already way better than anyone thought they would be. This team is already really good. This team just lost to the 13th best team in the country by two scores. After two really bad mistakes, it should have been a field goal. It should have been a one-score game. So this team, I, I again, I, I don't understand the... The overly harsh criticisms, especially against the defense or against the quarterbacks. You know, the biggest problems that most people have are the things that in my mind are just fine. I think our quarterbacks are doing fine. I've said on Twitter and probably on the show, we have two starting quarterbacks. We have two guys that would start on a majority of teams in the conference. We're doing just fine right there. We have a great team on both sides of the ball. Uh, most of our position groups are are two or three spots deeper than we thought they would be um so so yeah i i don't understand the the major concerns yeah we we should have uh we should have held byu to less than 34. if we could have held him to 27 that's that's great that would have been a great game um but holding him to 35 is a good game yeah we lost but i you know all things all things considered and you know, two two nights after the game, it's a good, it's, it's a fine loss. It was a great performance with lots of things to work on and two weeks to work on it. And then a game in UNLV against the worst team in the conference, probably. One of the worst two. So things are looking up for this team. Things are really, really looking up for this team. And I will say, after the performance that we just had against Boise State and BYU... There's no excuse not to win out. We didn't get blown out last week against Boise, despite what the scoreboard might say. And I know that sounds like a weak take or, a, or an excuse, but we didn't get blown out that game. We didn't get blown out by BYU. A two-score game that went down into the fourth quarter. If you were to ask Coach Kalani Sataki when he felt comfortable, it's probably when the clock hit triple zeros. You know, they they have a great team. They have a confident team. They probably felt good from kickoff to the end of the game. But if you were to ask him and get an honest answer, when did he really, really feel comfortable like he was 100% going to win that game, it was as time expired. That game went down to the wire against one of the better teams we've seen in three years probably. That's in the BYU isn't just the best team we've played this year. It's the best team we will play all year and the best team that we played in two years with a brand new coaching staff and a brand new quarterback. And the returning quarterback started one game last year. So five games into this season going into a natural break with a bye week. I feel really good about this team. Now, enough, enough about that and enough about my my tangent about um, people complaining about the team. Let's look closely at the the team and the mistakes they did make. It's my turn to complain about the team. I don't do it much. I don't do it often. But it, it is my turn to bring up two major plays that I think really, really turned the tide in this game and, like I said, turned it from a three-point game or a one-score game or an overtime game, or a Utah State win into a two-score game going the other way for BYU. The first play I want to talk about is the first drive of the game for the Utah State Aggies. We started with the ball, so it was the first drive of the game, and Logan Bonner throws an interception. That is two games now in a row where Logan Bonner has thrown an interception on the first drive of the game. He has thrown a pick in all five games that we've played so far. And in four of those games, including uh, the last two, he has thrown an interception in the first half. Um, so, you know, those those first quarter, those first half struggles continue on, on both sides of the ball a little bit in this game. Um, but particularly that first drive, now two games in a row that end in an interception... That's got to change. Both times, they have resulted in points on the board for the opposing team. Last week, you remember, we threw an interception. Our defense got out there and put up a great performance holding Boise to a field goal. Uh, They weren't able to do so this time, and BYU was able to score. After deferring possession to the second half, they were able to almost immediately score after kicking us the ball in the first. Uh, because we throw an interception and they were able to uh, move it the other way and score a touchdown in just a few plays so uh that play in particular was a huge problem a huge momentum swing uh you know again depending on how you look at it i mean we were we were moving the ball really well um we as we did all night but we that that pass was intercepted at byu's 26. Just outside of the red zone and well within Connor Cole's field goal range, he he hit a long one, uh, I think forty-seven yards is what he was able to to kick in. So, within within field goal range and hopefully within within a DT touchdown range, you know. So depending on how you look at it, a fourteen-point swing a 10 point swing at the very least a seven point swing to give up the ball that early. not really a great way to start the game by uh, by any metric. Um, so yeah, that was that was a tough one. That is a play that uh, we we have to figure out what's going on there. you know like I said, it's happened twice in a row now. Logan Bonner is a extraordinary quarterback. He is a starting caliber quarterback on just about any team in the conference. He, in my opinion, is one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. He's earned his job. I don't want to hear anybody calling for his job. Even though I already do. I, I hear it all the time. I disagree with it. He's a great quarterback. He's thrown two picks on the first drive of the game, like, two times in a row. That's an issue. It's an issue from a great quarterback, but it's still an issue. If that interception isn't thrown... It's hard to play the what-if game, but it's hard to imagine a scenario where we lose by two scores if we punch one in right there. If we score a touchdown right there instead of let them score a touchdown, it's hard to imagine a 34-20 ball game. Now, the other play that really lines up in that same category of what could have happened, it's definitely not what did happen, is a massive run late in the game by Tyler Algier, a 67 67- Yard, absolutely explosive play. By the way, Tyler Algier is an unbelievable athlete. He's probably the best player we've seen all year, and we won't see another one like him. Uh, Like I said on Thursday last week with, with Ryan, this is probably the last time we will not have the best player on the field at any given time, and it's because of this guy right here. It's because of Tyler Algier, who is... One of the better athletes in the country. Um, just an extraordinary talent. So Tyler Algier real quick. 22 carries for 218 yards and 3 touchdowns. His longest was 67 yards. 22 carries for 218 yards and 3 touchdowns is insane. That Those are superhuman numbers. So lots of respect to Tyler Algier. And honestly, a lot of respect to his the coaching staff down at BYU for finding a way to utilize this kind of kid. Just a, a generational athlete, one-in-a-million type of kid. Um, and so the, the coaching staff's ability to utilize him in a way that he's running 22 times for three touchdowns and 218 yards is big. Um, and of course, his ability to do so is very impressive as well. Let's talk about that one play by Tyler Algier. Honestly, all 22 of them were killers um, and all 218 yards were very, very painful. But one play in particular late in the game was very painful for Utah State. The momentum, it seemed, was really starting to shift. It seemed Utah State was in a really, really good position to maybe win this ball game. It was a one-score game at the time. So late in the fourth quarter, or middle of the fourth quarter, I guess, we score a touchdown. Uh, Logan Bonner still under center, uh, takes over a uh, drive, a 14-play drive, and moves the ball 90 yards. Uh, takes over at uh, four, with 14 minutes to go in the quarter, and uh, marches, down, marches down the field, and ends up throwing a touchdown pass to none other than Devin Tompkins, his only one of the night. Uh, so Utah State, at that point, cuts the score to a one-score game. Utah State scores this touchdown, and the score is now 20-27 to with plenty of football to go. Uh, we kick off. We give the ball back to BYU. No, no onside kick, nothing like that, just a regular old kickoff. Plenty of football left, a one-score game. At this point in time, BYU is down to their... Third or fourth string quarterback, and they start off on the thirty-two yard line. And Tyler Algier, on the first play, breaks out and runs all the way down the field. He's tackled at the one yard line. It's ruled a touchdown. They end up putting him back on the one, and of course we're you know we're not able to stop. Then you put him on the one. It's a first down. And honestly, it would have been better for the Aggies had they just ruled it a touchdown initially and given us the ball back because all that ends up happening is we burn an extra couple minutes off the clock, BYU scores, and takes it back to a two-score ball game at 34-20, to which would end up becoming the final score. In that moment, after coming down the field and scoring a touchdown, BYU was, you know, on the, on their third string quarterback. It felt like the momentum was favoring Utah State late in the game when you need the momentum to be favoring you. And Tyler Algier had other plans. Tyler Algier said no. Utah State was on the verge of yet another double-digit deficit comeback. And Tyler Algier just said no. Simple as that. He just said no. He ran for 67 yards in one play. The first play of the drive. He moved all the way down the field to the one. He pretty much scored. He did score that drive. It just took him an extra play. Tyler Algier just said no. We we were right there. 20 to 27 with about 10 minutes to go. Our defense came out seemingly with the wind in their sails. And had this one play gone differently, I think the whole game would have gone differently. Again, it's hard to play the what-if game, but this play happened so late in the game and was so costly and so influential on the final score that it's hard not to wonder what would have happened had Tyler Algier got stuffed. If we would have stuffed Algier right there, one-yard gain and let the, let the defense settle in and do their thing. This defense is good. They're really good. We've seen them score safety on a Pac-12 team. We've seen them pick off Pac-12 teams. We've seen them do all sorts of things. These guys are good. It's hard not to wonder what they could have done to BYU in that moment, uh, you know, if they would have been able to settle in. It's hard not to wonder if a turnover wins this game for Utah State. An interception by Justin Rice. Nick Henniger, Forced fumble. Turnover on downs, even a punt. Give it back to uh give it back to our boys on offense. Let DT do his thing. It's hard not to wonder. It's hard not to wonder what would have happened had Tyler Algier not gone on that 67 yard run to put the game on ice. It's hard. It's a tough game. It's a tough game to swallow. We all like to beat BYU. BYU is now 5 0. They're number 10 in the country. With big goals going forward. That's tough. A win a win against BYU. We'd be in the top 25. For sure. No doubt in my mind. We'd be top 25 team. With national recognition. And to be able to beat the spread. Three and a half wins. You know. The, the next win we get. Will cost a lot of people a lot of money. It would have been a good win. It would have been awesome. But you know what? It's not the end of the world. It's not the worst loss. And. We're going to talk about why. Because. The conference, it was a light week in Mountain West football, but not an uneventful one. And Utah State is just about as close to the driver's seat as you can get with one loss in the conference. So yeah, it, it, it sucks losing to BYU. It's a tough one. It's tough to lose a game that you really, it's tough to walk away from a game that you know you could have won against the top 15 team in the country. Those are, those are tough games to, to lose. But the big picture is still very much intact for Utah State. So let's take a look at what else happened in the conference. Like I said, it was kind of a light week for the conference. A lot of bye weeks, it seems like. Um, San Diego State didn't play. All sorts of teams didn't play. But the teams that did play really shook things up. And really, in a weird way, that even the teams that didn't play kind of shook things up. And we'll talk about that as well in, in San Diego State. Kind of a weird situation surrounding uh, surrounding them. We'll take a look at that. But let's let's go over the scoreboard real quick as we take a look around the rest of the Mountain West. Of course, we've talked about number thirteen BYU beating Utah State thirty-four to twenty. A tough one, absolutely, but um, a great game. And and one last note on that: if if we if you are concerned about this football team, and you're disappointed more, um, more so in this football team, I don't think we're watching the same football team. And maybe that's on me. Maybe that's on me. Maybe I'm watching the wrong football team. But the football team I've been watching has been really good, and I'm not disappointed in them. So. Uh, so that that's uh, that's the first game that was played on Friday, October the first, BYU over Utah State, thirty-four to twenty. Then on Saturday things got interesting. Nevada Wolf Pack in Boise beating the Broncos, forty-one to thirty-one, on the Smurf Turf. Big time win for Carson Strong and the Wolf Pack, and. That's the conference loss for the Broncos. And just like that, we are tied back up with the Broncos just one week after losing to them. They now have their own conference loss, and we are tied up with them. Not at the top of the conference or the division, as Wyoming is still unbeaten, but right back in there with, with Boise State, who was in the driver's seat, really, of this, of this division. We talk all the time about how the division championship goes through Boise, it only took a week for Boise to pick up one of the two losses we need them to pick up. Big time win for the Nevada Wolf Pack, And I'm not so convinced that this isn't a Wolfpack team that can win their division. We'll talk more about that in a second as well. Um, going down the list, UNLV lost to UTSA. So Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners beating the running Rebels of UNLV. UNLV is 0-5. That is our next opponent here in two weeks. We have a bye week to get uh, rested up, and I think we need it after playing the best four teams on our schedule in five games. Uh, The two best coming in the last two weeks, so we're definitely going to need that break. Um, But then we do play an 0-5 UNLV team at the end of our extended break, so that will be uh, hopefully... Hopefully a great game to get back into the swing of things, to get back into football mode, get back into game mode, I should say, against UNLV. They have not looked good. Air Force played an in-conference game against the New Mexico Lobos. They took care of business 38-10. Air Force is now 4-1. and Their only loss coming by the hand of the Utah State Aggies. New Mexico is 2-3, and now with a losing record. New Mexico is a team that no one really thinks is that good uh, no one is expecting much from them but i mean they're two and three which is probably better than a lot of people would have expected they do play san diego state next week we'll get to learn a lot more about both of those teams going forward but uh they do fall to air force and air force does uh, pick up the win and move up to four and one they're one to watch out for as well in the conference especially in this mountain division they could cause some problems And I really think that win against Air Force is going to do us a lot of favors at the end of the season if this Utah State team wants to play in the championship game. Having that tiebreaker against what is shaping up to be probably one of the top teams in our division is going to be huge for Utah State. So that is a big win. I've I've said it for months at this point. That might be the biggest game of the season. And that might show to be true later on as well. And now our defending champs, San Jose. They beat the New Mexico State Aggies 37 to 31. A six-point game for San Jose. I'm not sure what I expect from these guys. I don't know. I don't know what the Spartans are really capable of. They've won weird games, they've lost weird games. Uh, they beat a one in five New Mexico State team by six points. They are on our schedule. We play them later this year. They were a team, they were a team that I was worried about coming into the season. I'm starting to worry more about Colorado State. I think that's a trap game. and I'm worried about Wyoming a little bit. I think their five and0 record is a little inflated, but their offense is really good. I'm more worried about both of those teams, I think, than San Jose. Um, but they have a great coach, and they have seemingly a great team. They should be better in their playing. We'll see if they can get it together before they play us. And then the big game of the conference, the most influential game, the earth-shattering game of the conference, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors edging out the Fresno State Bulldogs 27-24. to Hawaii improves to 3-3. and and Fresno picks up their second loss of the season, now 4-2. and two. Huge win for the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, who are barely 500 at this point in the season, and a detrimental loss to the Fresno State Bulldogs. That loss will cost them. It got them bumped from the top 25, and that will be the least of their worries later on in the season if this game comes back to cost them a conference championship or a bid to the conference championship game nevada in that division is unbeaten in conference fresno state picks up a loss to a team they should not lose to that's going to haunt them wild game wild game for the rainbow warriors not necessarily the best thing for the conference um, as we lose our top 25 bid but interestingly enough San Diego State somehow sneaks in to the top 25 without playing a game. So in the top 25, we are now represented by San Diego State instead of Fresno State, who did drop all the way out from 18. Fresno State is still receiving five votes. San Diego State in the top 25. And Nevada still not receiving any votes, even after their win against Boise State. If you remember, Nevada had been receiving votes earlier on in the season. They were receiving votes before their loss to Kansas State. Kansas State was then in the top 25 afterwards and is still receiving votes, but Nevada is not. So a little bit of weird voting in the Mountain West so far in this season. Especially if you remember a couple weeks ago, Wyoming was receiving a vote. They no longer are. Uh, That vote disappeared after they gated by against UConn, really weird voting practices surrounding the Mountain West. But at the end of the day, we have a team in the top twenty-five. It's good for the conference to be to be up there, even if it happens in a in a weird way. So um, that's great for the conference. It's good for them to be to be back in. Uh, hopefully, Utah State can can win some games and maybe get it in there as well. Although it will be tough with their schedule, which is seemingly pretty easy going forward. I think that just about does it for everything um, Utah State versus BYU related. You know, I, we went over that game. Uh, we, uh, you know, we take a couple of days to look back at that game, but then we gotta we got to move forward, look at the rest of the schedule. Like I said, the big picture things are still very, very intact for Utah State if we're able to win out. So eyes forward, looking ahead at what we have for the Utah State Aggies. An incredible season still unfolding for us. Um, And that kind of covers it for everything Mountain West related as well. We will be back this week, um, even though it's a bye week. There is so much to talk about outside of football at Utah State. Basketball is right around the corner. Soccer is still having a great year. So we'll be back this Thursday. Lots to talk about, even if we don't have a game to preview. And so we, we will be back. In the meantime, go Aggies.